For the first time since 2017, the Florida Gators open SEC play against the Tennessee Volunteers, and we're going to talk about that matchup here today on Locked on Gators. You are Locked on Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Tuesday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants, Country, NFL 33. And today is going to be a little bit of a different approach I'll be joined by Eric Kane with Lockdown Vols. We're going to take a very, very early look at just Florida, Tennessee, and we're, we're going to, this ain't going to be the last time that you see Eric Kane. Brandon Olson of Locked On Gators. What's up, man? I'm, I'm excited to be here. I love it. I think your listeners like me more than mine, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> My listeners don't like anybody. They don't like me half the time, so... <laughs> That's just life in the SEC for football, I guess. But uh, no, man, happy to have you here. And for those of you guys, uh, Brandon's come on the show a couple of times. And when we do crossovers and everything, Brandon stepped in and was the leader of our channel for a couple of months uh, when Zach Blackerby was uh, off uh, for, you know, having a baby, him and his wife. So Brandon did an awesome job and is one of the, the, the key producers for the Locked On Podcast Network. So he does an awesome job. But his specialty is the Florida Gators. And Tennessee fans don't like Florida fans, vice versa. Tennessee doesn't like Florida, one of the biggest rivalries in all of college football. Um, Tennessee finally got a win in this series, first one since 2016, and the second one since like 2004 or something. I don't know, it's been forever. That was last fall. But what about this fall? What should we expect? Just kind of a, a broad overview of who Florida is right now going into 2023. I think you're going to get a better Florida Gators team this year, just with a lower ceiling. Like, like last year you had Anthony Richardson in Gainesville. So it was, Oh, you could see anything here. He can run for an 80 yard touchdown. He could throw for an 80 yard touchdown. Uh, Graham Mertz is not going to be doing that exactly, <laughs> but I, I think that you're looking at a team that has a higher floor, but a lower ceiling. Uh, I think that's what you're going to get from Florida, less volatility, whether or not that's good or not. We'll see, but I think that's what you're going to get this year. It's year number two with Billy Napier. And, you know, the first year, as you mentioned, the the ceiling was high because of the personnel that you had. I mean, look at Anthony Retterson. He went fourth overall to the Indianapolis Colts. And, um, you know, as a Titans fan, full disclosure, sitting at 11, if, if Richardson were to have fallen to 11 and they would have gotten him, I could understand it. I mean, get it. You know, following the Tennessee program, I understand you're trained not to like other players, but you can definitely see it. I did not want Will Levis, and lo and behold, they trade up and get Will Levis in the second round. Uh, but the uh, jury's out on Anthony Richardson because if he can figure it out, he can absolutely do it. But, you know, Graham Mertz is nowhere close to the quarterback, to the athletes, than Anthony Richardson. However, maybe there could be some more consistency in that offense. Um, do you kind of see that maybe as being a potential for Florida on offense this year? Yeah, absolutely. I think that Florida's offense is kind of going to produce the same numbers in terms of like yards per game, yards per play, points per game. 
but I think it's going to come a different way. I think you're going to see it more from the actual just churning of the clock here where, yeah, the Graham Mertz isn't going to give you those 80 yard plays, but what he is going to do that Anthony Richardson struggled with last year is he's going to hit the 10 yard dig. He's going to hit the eight yard dig. He's going to hit those routes that are so important in Billy Napier's offense that Anthony Richardson just seemed to miss or ideally he's going to hit those routes that Anthony Richardson seemed to miss, but yeah, he's not going to give you those explosive plays, but I do think that you're going to get a little more uh, comfort we'll say in the passing game. Safe to say Graham Mertz doesn't have what it takes to come back down. I, what was it, Brandon? 21 points with four minutes and change to go and almost, almost win a game on the road. I don't see that type of performance from Graham Mertz, but maybe if you had Graham Mertz, maybe you're not in that situation on the road. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It, it's just there, there was a lot of volatility at the quarterback position last year. And look, I love Anthony Richardson. I love what he brings to the table. Like that Utah game will forever be one of the best games I've ever, one of the best football games I've ever seen at any level in person. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that there were too many. You look at the very next week, Kentucky last year was so frustrating. I remember doing our lockdown now and I was like, just go to the triple option. Just go to the option because we can't complete passes. Uh, Kentucky and South Florida, and I think that you you lose those moments, but you also lose the comeback against Tennessee. You lose the comeback against LSU, and, and you lose some of that greatness, but you also gain a little bit of comfort there and a safety blanket at quarterback. What's the feeling around Gainesville right now? Are, are fans pleased with, with Napier? Um <laughs> Well, what's what's the talk around Gainesville right now with the expectation of what? I don't know what FanDuel has that win total at. I would imagine it's probably at eight. FanDuel, FanDuel has five and a half. Are you kidding me? Five and a half, yeah. Good Lord. Well, take the over there. Maybe yeah, not no, many more. take the over. You 100% take the over there if you're if you're betting on that total. But what's kind of the uh, – gosh, I was way off there. Uh, what's kind of the, um, the talk around Billy Napier in that program right now? Yeah, don't worry, you weren't way off. FanDuel was way off. Um, <laughs> but I, I think right now when you ask the Florida Gators fan base, they're very impatient here, and I think that they want immediate success. We wouldn't know anything about that in Knoxville, just so you Yeah, guess. no, who would? Who would? <laughs> but I, I think that the thing is, like, you want immediate success, and I understand that, but this program was in very bad shape when Dan Mullen left. Like, you look at who was on that roster – there wasn't a ton of talent. The starting safety last year ran four eights at the NFL combine before they both went undrafted. Like that, that's what we're talking about with who was out here. Um, and so I think that fan base is like, okay, great recruiting class. We're going to be right back on top and we're going to get right back in there. Realistically, it's going to take a couple years. This year is going to be, I think, similar results to last year. I think you're looking at barely bowl eligible. If you get a tough team in the bowl game, you probably lose that one. But I think that when you look at the process and how things are shaping up, you look at last year's recruiting class, you look at so far what 2024's recruiting class looks like, you're looking at a program that is rebounding. It's just not going to be like that. We are past the midway point in May now, so geez, Louise. Uh, but a couple weeks away from June now, and if you're trying to stay in shape, if you're trying to get in shape, maintain, whatever it is, Make sure to add Built Bar into your plan. Built Bar is fantastic for me because I have a hardcore sweet tooth. 
And luckily for me, Built Bar is coated in 100% chocolate, so I get that sweet tooth, but it's only got four net carbs, which is genuinely the most important thing to me. If you're a calorie counter, just 130 calories and 17 grams of protein in most bars. They are also finally in store, so you, go, you can go to Built or BuiltBar.com like you always could have, or you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's Club and get yourself that Built Bar. Who are some names that Tennessee fans need to be on the lookout for? Of course, it's always so early in the season. At least it doesn't decide, um, you know, the, who, who's going to go on to it. A lot of times it still could decide, but right now it doesn't decide who goes on to Atlanta like it used to and ultimately have a chance at the national championship. But it's third week of the season. It's early game in September. Who should Tennessee fans be on the lookout for now with Florida, now that your spring practice is over and it's kind of a new vibe down there in Gainesville? Uh, I think Tennessee fans are probably going to get used to seeing number 33 on defense, Princely Uman Mielin. That dude's a beast. Uh, One more time, had, what was that name? Princely Uman Mielin. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, I had I had people that, and I've, I love telling this story because it's amazing to me, but I had people that work in the NFL, like four NFL teams, watching Javon Dexter for the NFL draft, watching Brenton Cox for the NFL draft, Ventro Miller, Amari Bernie, all those guys. I had multiple people that work in the NFL that were like, Princely Uman Mielin is the best player on that defense. Um, so I think that he's kind of flown under the radar, but this year he's moving to Jack linebacker. So he gets to stand up and rush the passer. And I think that he's just in prime position to succeed a ton with this defense. Bring it back a couple of wide receivers, right? Yeah. Uh, Ricky Pearsall is back as the, he was the leading receiver last year. He's back for 2023. I think he's the one, correct me if I'm wrong, where Tennessee's defense just didn't want to tackle him. Had him wrapped up like twice and he wouldn't score. That was annoying. Yeah, he did that. He, he's slick Rick. He does that all the time. But uh, yeah, then you've mostly depth comes back at that point. Xavier Henderson's in the transfer portal. Justin Shorter's with the Buffalo Bills. But Marcus Burke, six foot four, 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 five speed. Going to be pretty, uh, hopefully, going to be pretty difficult to cover this year. What would you like about Tennessee showing in the NFL draft? Hooker in the third round, Darnell Wright in the top 10, uh, Hyatt and Tillman going back-to-back in the 73-74. The what would you like about that? I love Hyatt. I do. I'm, I'm a Giants fan. I cover the Giants, too. So I, I love Hyatt being there. I think that uh, that he's – NFC East hasn't seen someone like him since Deshaun Jackson was in there. I, I had heard repeatedly that the Giants loved Hyatt throughout this entire process. As the process went on, they were not going to take him with 25 or 26, whatever that was, but I could have saw them taking him in the second round. They eventually moved up to ensure that they got him in the third round, so I think that's going to be a good option for Danny Dimes, too. Uh, you look at Florida's schedule. Of course, you got Tennessee there in week three. Who's Florida going to be by the time you see Tennessee? You got Utah at the top, and that's going to be really, really challenging. You got a breather with McNeese. You got Tennessee, then Charlotte, and then you get into that SEC schedule. Who are you expecting Florida to be by the time week three rolls around and Florida hosts Tennessee in the swamp? Yeah, that's it. I still I still don't think that by week three we'll really see what this Florida team is made of because you look at Utah right now, they're starting quarterback Cam Rising. His status is still up in the air. Torres ACL in the bowl game. Not sure if he's going to be good to go. And if he is, is he going to be the Cam Rising that can run for, you know, 33 yard first downs like he did last year? Or is he going to be camerizing that's kind of reserved to being a pure pocket passer, which he can do, but obviously he won't be as good as he can be if he can't run the ball. And then McNeese, 
should be easy. I will never call a game easy again after last year. And I was like, oh, South Florida is an easy win. And then Florida <laughs> barely won it. So I'm, I'm not going to lose that. it. Tennessee lost Georgia state back in 2018 or 19 or whatever. So yeah, that's, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm not chalking them anymore, but I will say that I think with Utah not having cam rising with Florida facing McNeese at hosting McNeese state too, like it's tough to go into the swamp and win no matter who you are. I don't think we'll really know what Florida is by week three. I think week three is where we will, we will find out. What are you really made of, Gators? Two or three years ago, did Florida lose to Georgia Southern? Or am I making that up? No, that was a while ago. That was, while they ago. did lose to Georgia Southern, but it was 2012. Jarek McKinnon was the quarterback for Georgia Southern. So that, guy, that, that long ago. It was that long ago. <laughs> more than two or three years ago. More than two or three years ago. Why Why is the Swamp so, and you can ask this about any SEC fan base, SEC Stadium, Neyland Stadium, why is the Swamp so difficult to play in why has it been so difficult for tennessee to win in this one they have won again i'm dating myself i believe since 2003 um and uh it, with casey claus and i think it's it's been a long time since tennessee's won down there it i think the swamp is one of the best atmospheres in football and i know everybody's gonna say that like i know rocky top is well rocky top is but i know like death valley says the same thing and they are also great but i think that the swamp is just one of those places where it's incredibly difficult to go in there and win football games mainly because you've got an insane crowd, incredibly rude crowd, which I, which I love. You love when you're a part of it. So insanely rude crowd. And there's, there's 90,000 people there any given Saturday. So I think that it's just, it, it just piles up. And also sure. Let's say the humidity, not as much for other sec schools. It doesn't impact them as much, but like when you're Utah last year, their yeah. players were puking in the third quarter. Like, like they, they came in here, we're going to be fine. It's not going to be that bad. And they were puking by the third quarter. So I think the Swamp is just one of the best atmospheres in football. I think that, you know, the SEC just means more. And I think that it's very difficult to win anywhere on the road in the SEC. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that an 11 a.m. local time kick at LSU last year didn't help Tennessee. It 100% helped Tennessee. They jumped out, got that opening kickoff, beat the brains in, and then those guys didn't come back after halftime, some of those fans. So um, looking at the schedule for Florida, Utah at the top, as I mentioned, Tennessee in week three, uh, a sandwich between McNeese and Charlotte. So at worst, at absolute worst, you're looking at two and two for Florida heading into the rest of the SEC schedule. You got Kentucky, that's away, which, you know, with with Leary, I think they're going to be much better than what Kentucky was in 2022. agree. Back home against Vanderbilt, that'll be a dub. On the road at South Carolina, which South Carolina is very much a, a variable in the SEC East this year, off week. Then you go to the world's largest cocktail party against Georgia, Arkansas at home, LSU on the road, Missouri on the road. Have fun there. Oh, what a horrible venue. And then Florida <laughs> State at home. Uh, kind of, what do you make of the schedule? I know we talked about FanDuel five and a half, which, you know, sprint to the over there, but. Are you expecting seven, eight wins? I know it's going to be a rebuilding year. Yeah, I think we see seven from the Gators. I think that's it. I mean, you have the two that should be gimmies in the first four weeks with McNeese and Charlotte. Utah, I think even if Cam Rising plays, he's not going to be fully healthy. I just, I just refuse to accept that you could tear your ACL, get surgery on it in January, and be perfectly ready for August 31st yeah. to come in and play. So I think Florida, after week four, should be – should have three wins at least we'll see, we'll see with Tennessee how they look obviously a lot of change from both teams here coming over uh so we'll see what they look like Kentucky 
I, I think Florida loses that one. You mentioned Devin Leary makes this team better than Will Levis did. He yep. raised how we mentioned with Anthony Richardson to Graham Mertz, your floor raises. I think the same thing happens with Devin Leary. Your floor raises from what Will Levis did. And that was my big selling point pre-draft with, the, with Will Levis was like, I can't get on board with Will Levis because 2021 and 2022 were two of the worst Florida Gators defenses that I've ever seen. And they both beat the piss out of Will Levis. And uh, so I refuse to accept that he's going to be successful. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Titans fans. Um, but Vanderbilt, you have to win that one. You have to, you can't lose to them two years in a row. You have to win South Carolina. What would Spencer Rattler is showing up here? Yeah. Like, is, is it going to be good Spencer Rattler? Or is he going to be the one that we saw last year against the Gators? Uh, Georgia L simple as that. Arkansas, I think is a great matchup for Florida. I think their defense just being super aggressive against an offense that wants to run the ball a ton. I think that you're going to have a tough time if you're Florida against Arkansas, LSU, you're probably losing that. Just you are uh, just Jaden Daniels. I don't think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, but I think for a college starter, mm-hmm. he can destroy you anytime. Um, and winning in Death Valley is just so difficult. You beat Missouri, most likely. Florida State, you probably lose to. But, I, I mean, if you can get seven wins, I'm genuinely comfortable with it. Like, that that's what I'm expecting from this team. I, like I said, it's going to be a process to get back to the top if you're, gains, if you're the Gators. How do you see the SEC pecking order right now? So you got Heupel entering year three. You got Napier entering year two. Beamer entering year three. Uh, of course, you got Kirby and Georgia who are rolling. Eli Drinkwood sucks in Missouri. Vanderbilt's better, but still in the cellar. Um, you know, Kentucky uh, depends on, I guess, who's you know running that offense and if it's an offensive coordinator from the NFL. Kind of, How do you see the SEC East and how close are teams like right now, Tennessee, and maybe even South Carolina from and, and Florida in its rebuild, kind of closing that gap with Georgia. I think that Georgia's still at the top. They're going to okay. be. I think Tennessee will still be number two. Um, I think that it, they they just got a great team. You guys have a great team, as much as I hate to admit it. Uh, and then I think you see Kentucky jump South Carolina. I think I think Spencer Rattler is just way too inconsistent. And given how bad Will Levis was last year, and how you have Devin Leary now in Kentucky, I think they take the step. I think Florida might be better than South Carolina again, depending on which Spencer Rattler you get. Do you get end of year Spencer Rattler all year or not? Um, but I also think that they got worse at their skill positions. So I think even if you have better Spencer Rattler, he, he can't drag the carcasses of the Gamecocks there. Uh, Missouri's at the dead bottom. I hate Eli Drinkwitz. Um, I, I met him one time and he was incredibly rude to me. So he's, he's at the bottom for me. Um, also, by the way, I forgot to tell you week three, Florida, is beating Tennessee because I spoke to Josh Heupel and I asked him to take it easy for one week. And, <laughs> and so I, I, I was like, Hey man, I love what you're doing. You're doing a great job, but I cover the Florida Gators. I'm a Gators fan. Just one week. I need you to not be great. Uh, and he said he would. So Florida, <laughs> Florida's beating Tennessee this year. Sorry. I forgot to mention that. Was this at the senior bowl? It was, it was at the senior bowl. Yes. Um, so that, that's that's what he said. Uh, he did not come to poker night. He did not. They flew out right after. But he was like, hey, I'd be there. He's like, if we weren't leaving, I'd be there. Believe me. Shocking that Josh Hobble didn't have time to go play poker with you guys. Um, last thing I got for you, man, is we, we kind of I'm trying to take a trip around the SEC a little bit, talk to some guys and, you know, figure out the team Tennessee's going to be playing this year. Um, it's been, you've been a great opening act, by the way. You've got Florida State. You've got LSU. 
you've got Georgia, you've got Tennessee. Those are your big rivals. I didn't miss anybody, did I? Okay. Those those are your year in and year out. Those are your absolute biggest rivals. Where does Tennessee rank there? And you know, what's it feel like as a lifelong Gators fan, kind of geared up and, and playing Tennessee every year? I mean, I, I love Tennessee and like the rivalry, not yeah. actual Tennessee. I hate you guys. <laughs> I, I love the, the rivalry that Florida has with Tennessee. I I don't like that Tennessee beat Florida last year, but I do like that it kind of breathes some new life into yeah. it because you know, for a while we've talked about it before when we've done crossovers where for so long it was just Florida winning, no matter how big or little Florida winning, whether it's a, a Hail Mary or blowout florida wins games um so I, I like that it kind of breathes some breathes some life into it georgia's i mean florida's on the receiving end of, of that one right now where <laughs> where they're just taking it uh lsu's my, my favorite rivalry that florida has just because i have quite a few friends that are lsu fans and so it's just always fun to talk trash for a back and forth florida state i kind of hate um like i i hate the rivalry itself just because like i hate florida state it's fun to talk to. I asked Mike Norvell to do the same thing I asked Josh Heupel to do. Um, he told me no. Uh, Mike Norvell was just like, can't do it. It's a big game, obviously. Um, but Florida State, I feel like their fans suck. Like, I, I just Their fans aren't fun. Tennessee fans have been fun. Georgia fans also suck. So I, I'd say Tennessee is, I'd say my second favorite rivalry uh, behind LSU. I, uh, Georgia, again, I just hate their fans. And not like in the fun troll way. Like I just, I hate them personally. Uh, same thing with Florida State. So I, I think Tennessee would be number two for me right now. You know, surprisingly, I was, I, I covered the Tennessee baseball team. I was down in Athens this past weekend. Didn't have any grown adult man bark at me. <laughs> Maybe it's just a football thing. I don't know, but I didn't hear any barks this weekend. They've, they've gone soft. <laughs> Obviously, to two national championships, they've gone soft. Thanks for making Knockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports Giants Country NFL 33. And I will see you all tomorrow.